Let me ask you a tough question. What would it take for you to see your most challenging circumstance as a friend rather than an enemy? Now you're probably thinking, Chip, you're absolutely crazy, but pause. Some of the most challenging, difficult things you'll ever face, God wants to use for good, but you have to see them differently. Today, we'll learn how. Stay with me. Thanks for joining us for this weekend edition of Living on the Edge with Chip Ingram. Chip's our Bible teacher for this international discipleship ministry focused on helping Christians live like Christians. Well, a few days ago, Chip kicked off his series in Nehemiah called Keep Pressing Ahead. So far, we've learned how Nehemiah's life and experiences can help us navigate any challenge that will come our way. Today, we're highlighting a program from this past week where Chip revealed the sources of adversity in our lives and how God's Word equips us to overcome them. But before we get going, if this is your first time listening to Living on the Edge or you want to learn more about what we do, go to livingontheedge.org. You'll find tons of resources there on many topics and countless programs to enjoy. Or if you prefer, the Chip Ingram app is also a great way to get plugged in with our ministry. Well, here's Chip with his message, Facing Adversity, from Nehemiah chapter 4. I remember uh, reading a book recently by a fellow named Oz Hillman, who uh, was an executive in the Dallas area, I think at the time, or Atlanta, and had an advertising business and was making millions of dollars and living in a big estate and had everything that you'd think and was a very uh, public Christian businessman. And within about six months, everything in his life went upside down. Business, home, marriage, one of his kids, everything. And he wrote in his book, adversity changes us. Adversity is the crucible that melts down the old us. Adversity is the hammer that shapes the new us. See, if, if you unconsciously or consciously are just trying to figure out, how do I get through it? I just got to get through it. Or how do I avoid it? Or how do I arrange my life so I never have to face it? How do I stay comfortable? I read a quote in my research by someone said, life begins at the end of your comfort zone. That's where life begins. And yet most of us spend all of our energy, okay, how do I, how do I create this world where, you know, security here, security here, this here, this here, every relationship, control this, do that. See, adversity is normal, it's expected, it's purposeful, and it's powerful. Peter would write after being persecuted in chapter 5, verse 10, after you have suffered for a little, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself confirm, perfect, strengthen, and establish you. See, it's not only purposeful, God wants to transform your life through adversity. But it's, it's powerful. You meet someone that has confidence and character. You meet people that have been married for a long time and there's a richness to the relationship. You meet people that have been through hard times and love deeply. I will tell you what, they've suffered much. They didn't opt out, they didn't give up. Finally, it's temporary. This is good news. I mean, this is a man who was beaten three times within an inch of his life. This is a man that took the 39 lashes. This is a guy that writes all these letters about joy from prison, right? This is the Apostle Paul. 
And you say, Paul, what kind of perspective did you have? How did you get your arms around this? He says, therefore, we do not lose heart, though our outward man is decaying, or we lose our house, or lose our job, or someone walks out on us, or you're not married. Yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look at the things which are seen, but not at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. You get it? See what he's saying? See, at some point in time, you either believe that the now is all there is and you'll manipulate and maneuver and try to do life inside just the now and, and it doesn't work out for anyone. Or you understand there's a far, far bigger eternal picture and you'll live in the now in light of the forever. And that's why people can have joy, not always happy with happy circumstances, but joy in the midst of very difficult things. The only way that you'll think biblically and not have all those lies is if some of you say, you know something? Okay, I don't think of adversity as being normal, expected, purposeful, powerful, or temporary. I'm going to write adversity is normal. And then I'm going to open my Bible, and then I'm going to write on a card, a three-by-five card, that verse out. And then I'm going to read that at night. I'm not even going to try and memorize it, and I'm going to pray it back to God. And I'm going to do that for all five of those, and I'll have five cards. And I'll tell you, you do that for two or three weeks, and you come back and talk to me. You'll start filtering everything that goes through your world completely differently because instead of, oh, this is unfair and what a bummer and I guess I'm a failure and am I being punished? You, you know what? You'll start thinking, this is normal. It's hard, but it's normal. It's purposeful. Then you'll start thinking, so I wonder what God wants to do. I guess if, if I'm to endure it, it produces proven character. In other words, as I endure, instead of God changing out there, he changes me. I'm actually becoming more patient. I'm becoming more loving. I'm becoming more kind Wow, that gives me hope. And as that gives me hope, oh, the Spirit of God is really real. I'm not playing this game of trying hard to be a good Christian. This is supernatural. Wow, thank you, God. Here's how I want to think about adversity the rest of my life. Adversity is the uninvited, unwanted friend in the hands of an all-knowing God. See, don't, don't get me wrong. He's uninvited and he's unwanted, so I don't like it. I'm going to be honest about that but he's a friend. Adversity is not your enemy. In the hands of an all-knowing God whose purpose is to wean us of our self-dependency and pride, usher us into deeper intimacy with Jesus, and redirect our paths to ensure our greatest good and his greatest glory. And he does that as we learn to trust him. All of this ends up being about faith. As we learn to trust God's character and God's word in all things, for all things, and through all things. And so I'm either going to look at and filter this way, or this is an unwanted friend entering my life right now. And doesn't mean other people haven't sinned, doesn't mean other people haven't messed up, doesn't mean that sometimes I bring it on myself. But when I'm in the midst of it, I can either, oh, what did I do? What did I do? What did I do? Or I can say, okay, this is where I'm at. I've asked God to forgive me. He's forgiven me. But here's my situation. An all-knowing God in the midst of my pain is going to wean me from my pride, and I'm going to own this and my self-dependency. 
And as I, like Jesus, with loud cries and tears, cry out to him, he's gonna develop an intimacy with him, probably deeper than I've ever had before. And here's the amazing thing. You think adversity is so bad? If you would look in the rearview mirror of your life, often it was adversity that was, oh, I broke up with that girl. Wow, I'm married to this other one for like 32 years. It's been really good. I'm sure glad I had a little adversity there. Because God wants what's best for you, not what you want. If you got everything you want, you'd have a miserable life because you don't know what's best for you. You just know what everyone says is best for you. Well, let's talk now about the journey that we're gonna go on. And I'll just give you a little overview of our friend Nehemiah. And he is one of my heroes. He's one of my heroes, one, because I didn't grow up as a Christian. And second, because he's not a religious guy. What I mean by that, you know, every time someone shows up and they're a prophet or they're a priest or they're a preacher, I don't know about you, but I feel like, well, I mean, they must get extra grace. I'm sure they do. We do. But whenever I find like a regular guy making a big difference, you know, like a business guy or just a regular lady or a servant girl, and God changes the world through them, it gives me just a lot of hope, like maybe this is for all of us regular people. And so what I did is I, I took Nehemiah and I said, we need to learn to handle adversity the way Nehemiah does. And what I've laid out is a chart that I've been studying. And what I want you to observe is that the adversity in his life comes for five different reasons. I mean, in chapter four, terrible things happen because he obeys. In chapter five, terrible things happen because other people disobey. In chapter six, terrible, difficult things happen because he has the courage to lead and he gets attacked. There's spiritual warfare. In chapter seven, there's just negative circumstances. No one did anything wrong. They just don't have any people, don't have any money, and they can't do it. Then what are we going to do? And then in chapter eight, the big problem is, you know what? Because the nation disobeyed, God's discipline came in, and they find themselves in a situation. And then you notice that I said, here's Nehemiah's response to each one of those. I put that in your chart. And then just for fun, I put our typical response so that you could compare them. And then you'll notice that I put a New Testament parallel. Each one of these things, they're at an adversity in his life. There's a New Testament, very specific parallel of what will happen in our lives. But the theme, the theme of all of them, if you go down through the chart, is the timeless truth. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That's the timeless truth. But that's true of your adversity. I don't know what you're going through. God does. I don't know what you're feeling, but I've had those feelings. Jesus had those feelings. He wanted to give up. He wanted to opt out. He wanted to quit. In fact, he even asked the father if he could quit. Remember his very last prayer? And this is a loose translation, but it went something like this. If there's a plan B up there that we didn't think about, let's go with that right now. Because I don't want to be separated from you, and I don't want to go through that suffering. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours. You're listening to Living on the Edge with Chip Ingram, and we'll get back to his message in just a minute. But first, our heart is for you to deepen your connection to God as you study His Word with us. And another way we're supporting you in that is through our free resource called Daily Discipleship with Chip. Let me encourage you to stick around after this message to learn more about it and how you can sign up today. Okay, here again is Chip to finish his talk. What, what's, it, what's he saying? I'm going to press ahead. What he says to the Father is, in the power of the Holy Spirit, I can make it through anything with your help and strength. I came across a little uh, 
motto, if you will, that, that has really helped me. In fact, I injured something, and so I haven't been able to work out. And uh, my history has been I like to work out, and so I've never had much problem being motivated. But I got injured, and so I've not done it for a while like I want to. And now maybe some of you can identify I'm trying to get back with it. And, like, my motivation is, like, gone. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to, and then I don't do it. I'm going to, I'm going to, and I don't do it. I'm, I'm sure... Do, do any of you have these issues, like with food? Okay, you know, I'm going to, and I just, and so finally I decided I'll do it first thing. I'm going to roll out of bed, and you know, whether it's 5 or 5.30 or a little before, I'm going to do it first. I mean, the other morning, I'm just, like I did, so you know how when you start, I go, okay, four days in a row, you know, way to go, and, and then this, this is the second week, and I've missed a couple of days, and for really good reasons that I made excuses about. And so this was like, you know, you know how you feel like I'm either going to stay on track or I'm going to just plummet again. And I'm laying in bed and like, you know, it's even earlier than normal. And I'm thinking, Lord, I don't want to do that. And then my, I still remember it because I'm studying all this, right? I, I always get a little advanced because I study this before I give it to you. And I remember laying in bed thinking, I just can't get up. And this came to my mind. I can't, but you can and I just, I just, I laid in bed and I just prayed to Father. Father, because some specific disciplines, there's, there's a domino effect in other areas of your life. When I'm disciplined here, my prayer life's more disciplined. When I'm disciplined here, my eating's more disciplined. When I'm disciplined here, my tongue is more disciplined. So this wasn't just trying to get in shape. I realized my will was getting weak in terms of obedience. And so I laid in bed, I said, okay, Lord Jesus, I can't, but you can through me. Will you give me the grace? I'm gonna put my foot on the ground, and I'm going to go put on my shoes. And I did, and it worked out, and it was just, whew. For many of you, that's, I can't stay in this marriage another day. I can't, but you can. I can't handle this depression one more day. I can't, but you can. I can't stand being single one more day. I can't, but you can. I can't go on without the job or with the I can't. And so here, here's what I like. It's a little motto I came across. It says, I can't. He never said I could. He can. He always said he would. If you don't get any, you know, that takes all the truth and it bundles it for you in a way that I think is sort of a to-go package. It'll really help you. If you, if, you, if you apply that and remember that, it'll really help you. He said, I can't. He, Jesus, never said I could. He can. He always said he would. The last portion is an assignment. I'm not going to go through the passages, but here, here's what I need you, you got to understand. If you do not discern the source or sources, because often there, there are more than one. If you do not biblically, clearly, Holy Spirit-led discern the source of your adversity, the chances are you will respond in a way that will hinder your growth and endurance instead of grow through it. And so what I've done at the very bottom of the page as I've given you, there, there may be more, but these are at least the five major causes of adversity in believers' lives. And then I've get, I'm going to fill in the response. And again, there's some of you that if you're going through a hard time, I will tell you, you'll run to here. You, you don't get strength from God hearing other people talk. You get strength from God when your nose gets in God's word with a heart that's hurting and says, oh God, help me. And he'll speak to you. David would say, if your word had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. You don't get strength listening to people. 
You get strength when the word of God, fresh off the page of the Holy Spirit, does something in your heart, and it gives you the strength to persevere. Physical exhaustion is one reason for adversity. The stories of Elijah, the response is rest. When I get physically exhausted, I often assume I've sinned. I ask God to explore my heart. What have I done wrong? And usually a good friend or my wife says, Chip, you did 11 messages in four days. You did two videos and wrote a chapter of a book and met with four people. What part of being tired don't you understand? Just go to bed, eat a good meal, don't evaluate. The second reason is consequences of sin. You repent. You blow it, I blow it, you got a problem, you got a problem because God won't be mocked. When I sin and you sin, it reaps corruption. Problems in my life, I need to repent. Third cause of spiritual warfare. There's times where there's actual demonic influence that often comes in these other times, but is trying to thwart God's purpose in your life. You have to fight, you don't rest, and you don't run. The fourth opportunity, I guess I would call it that, is God's discipline. There's times where he's preparing you for the next big season of fruit. It's much like Jesus talked about where he does pruning. And what you need to do there is you need to submit. There's times he'll come into your life and say, everyone else, it's okay for them to do. I don't want you to do this thing anymore. Or I want you to do this thing. You know, why does I, uh, and he'll say, because I said so and I'm your father. He's, he's preparing you. He's pruning you. You need to hear his voice and submit. And finally, the last is negative circumstances. And you endure. Actually, you joyfully endure. You're listening to Living on the Edge with Chip Ingram. And the message you just heard, Facing Adversity, is from our series, Keep Pressing Ahead. Chip will join us in studio to share some insights from today's talk in just a minute. The Bible teaches that followers of Jesus are more than conquerors. But when we're really suffering or struggling with something, that idea can sound like religious mumbo-jumbo. Now, in this series, Chip's going to change our perspective toward hardship by examining the life of Nehemiah. Discover where adversity comes from and what we can do when our most challenging circumstances threaten to pull us under. If you've missed any part of Chip's teaching, catch up anytime on the Chip Ingram app. Well, I'm joined in studio now by Chip. And Chip, you know, every week we receive prayer requests from listeners who feel like life's beaten them down. No matter how hard they sincerely try to live for Jesus, something happens, they get sick, get laid off, lose a loved one. If you would talk to those listening who are really struggling right now. Well, first of all, you are not alone. Mm. Uh, we all have seasons like that, and I don't mean to minimize it. I just want you to know that you are not alone. And the reason that it's so common is because, yes, it is a fallen world. And yes, every single one of us followers of Jesus have spiritual opposition. Satan would like nothing more than to knock you off your feet, make you feel unimportant, and push you inward instead of upward and toward God. And when those attacks come... We are called and commanded to stand firm in his faithfulness and in the armor that he's provided. But the sad fact is many Christians have no idea how to do that. And so what we've developed is a brand new daily discipleship with Chip, and it's called the Invisible War. Through this study, we'll open our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6, 
We'll learn what spiritual warfare is, who Satan is, what power he has, what power he doesn't have, and tools to help you live victoriously each and every day. And for those of you that are new to Daily Discipleship, this is a free video resource where you and I can study God's Word together. I'll never talk for more than 10 minutes, and then I will ask you for 10 minutes with a brief study guide. And here's the thing, you're going to learn to study the scriptures, to hear God's voice. This is not a Bible study. I'm going to mentor you one-on-one. 234,000 people have gone through daily discipleships with me, and they all say basically the same thing. I'm now hearing God. I understand the Bible. I'm growing on my own. And that's our heart's desire for you. So let me encourage you, make the decision today. Sign up for the daily discipleship. We're in the midst of a spiritual battle. God has given us the victory, and I want to show you how to experience it. Thanks, Chip. Well, I can't encourage you enough to sign up for this new daily discipleship, The Invisible War, by going to dailydiscipleship.com. As you and Chip study Ephesians chapter 6, you'll learn how to defend yourself and fight back in this unseen battle. Again, to sign up for this brand new daily discipleship, visit dailydiscipleship.com. App listeners tap Discipleship. Well, here now is Chip with a few final thoughts from today's message. I don't know what's going on in your life, but I'll tell you one thing. I wish I could sit down right now um, at a little coffee shop, look you right in the eye and say, tell me, um, where are you struggling? Where are you hurting? What's the really big issue that's facing you? And when we begin to identify that adversity, then I think the very next thing I would say is, is not just consider it all joy. You know, we ended the program with, the, with that classic James chapter 1, you know, consider it all joy when you encounter various trials, knowing, knowing by experience that the testing of your faith is going to produce endurance and that you let endurance have its perfecting or maturing result so that you don't lack anything. I mean, I think we get the idea that we need to not give in, not give up, hang in there. God's going to work. But here's what I've noticed. If you don't identify why you have the adversity, what's the cause of adversity, your response may not be in keeping with God's purposes for your life. So often, you know, let me just review some of the causes of adversity, physical exhaustion. I mean, you know, you've got Elijah there. He is just, he's wiped out. He doesn't need to pray more. He needs to sleep. He needs to eat. He needs to rest. Or the second, consequences of sin. You know, I don't need to endure. I need to repent. I mean, there's times where I've just done things that are wrong or I've said things that are wrong and things are going really south. Well, I don't need to endure. I need to go apologize to that person. I need to tell God I'm sorry. I need to do a 180. You get what I'm saying? So the causes were physical exhaustion, the consequences of sin. Uh, The third one here is spiritual warfare. Could it be? I mean, obviously, there's not a demon behind every bush, but could it be that you're doing exactly what God wants you to do? You've taken steps in your marriage, or you're breaking an addiction, or, I mean, you are doing what God wants you to do, and the enemy is pushing back strong, and the adversity really isn't something bad. It's the evidence that you're exactly on the right track. Ask God. He'll show you. Lord, will you show me the cause of my adversity? Or at other times, you know, you may find yourself in a, in a season of real fruitfulness and you go through and say, hey, I'm not tired. I, I've searched my heart. You know, I don't think there's sin. I don't think it's spiritual warfare. You know, there are times when God's pruning you. 
you haven't done anything wrong. You're one of his special daughters, his special sons, and he's just going to do some disciplining to bring a new level of dependency in your heart and your life that will produce more fruit than you ever imagined. Thanks, Chip. And in case you missed some of the points Chip just reviewed, they're pulled straight from his message notes, which is a tool available for every program. So let me encourage you to get this resource before you listen to us again. Chip's notes include his outline, the scripture he references, and fill-ins to help you remember what you're learning. They'll really help you get the most out of every program. Chip's message notes are a quick download at livingontheedge.org under the Broadcasts tab. App listeners tap Fill-in Notes. You've been listening to a selected program that we wanted to share from this past week. To hear more of Chip's series, Keep Pressing Ahead, go to livingontheedge.org or the Chip Ingram app. Until next time, I'm Dave Drewey saying thanks for listening to this weekend edition of Living on the Edge. We'll be right back.